Welcome to the Standing Up to Pots podcast, otherwise known as the Potscast. This podcast is dedicated to educating and empowering the community about postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome, commonly referred to as POTS. This invisible illness impacts millions and we are committed to explaining the basics, raising awareness, exploring the research, and empowering patients to not only survive, but thrive. This is the Standing Up to POTS podcast. Hello, fellow POTS patients and nice people who care about POTS patients. I'm Jill Brook, and today we have an episode of the POTS Diaries, where we get to know someone in the POTS community and learn about their story. So today we are speaking with Ashley, who kindly volunteered to share her experiences. I've never spoken with her before. I don't know a thing about her, so I'm as excited as you are to get to know her. Ashley, thank you so much for being here with us today. Well, thank you so much for having me. So can we start with some super basics about you? Like, how old are you? I am 26. And where are you now? I currently live in Orlando, Florida, but I am from a small town outside of Atlanta, Georgia. Ah, okay. Tell us, like, what is your favorite thing to do these days? What are hobbies or interests? I actually finished with getting my master's degree, so I'm starting to find other hobbies to do since I'm now done with all of my schooling. Since I live in Orlando, I like going to parks, hanging out with my friends, and hanging out at the pool because it's way too hot. Very nice. If we were to ask like some of your family or friends to describe your personality, what are some things they might say about you? I'm quite stubborn. I always like to say that Uh, when I set myself up for goals, I reach them. And I always very compassionate, empathetic, understanding, and I will always stand up for someone. Oh, that's nice. You know, speaking of goals, I didn't ask you what you got your master's degree in. I got it in organizational leadership with a concentration in strategic change and innovation. Oh, awesome. Wow. How many years of your life, if any, did you have before any sign of POTS showed up? POTS showed up a little bit after my 13th birthday. Previous for that, I really don't remember much. I have a twin, so like all of the experiences I've had, I have it with her and then like she tells me everything. But most of my memories are POTS and on of how my life has changed from my diagnosis. Do you know from your sister or others, like if you were to give us a snapshot of what your life looked like from age zero to 13? She's my older twin, so she's older by a minute. So I always like to say she's more quiet, but the talkative one. But I'm more quiet in like social gatherings, but I will speak my mind no matter what. So that's not changed. But I was like happy, kind of like pretty chill. And I still pretty chill now. A lot of things don't bother me when I was younger. I just kind of go with the flow. And that still is to this day. That is as much as I can remember. Pre-pots. So can I ask, what was the first sign that something was going wrong with your health? What was the first sign of pots? How my pots became part of my story was actually on my cousin's very first birthday. I woke up early that morning because we were doing cotillion, a big southern tradition kind of where I was from. And, you know, as a young 13-year-old with naturally curly hair, I wanted straight hair. So I woke up that morning to straighten my hair. I couldn't reach the back of my head, so I asked my mom to come in to the bathroom, and I sat down. 
Next thing I knew, I woke up inches from hitting my head on the bathtub. We rushed me to the hospital. And since then, that's when I started passing out. I was getting very dizzy easily. We went to the ER. They said, oh, it's just epilepsy. And my mom is from Jersey. So she's like, no, 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 something's wrong with my daughter. We're going to figure this out. So she was the real driving force of, no, something is underlining. I'm very thankful because within a couple of months, I was diagnosed with POTS. So do you think it was having something hot near your head that set it off the first time? We think it was because I had my hand straightening it and me going from standing to sitting and then just out like a light. My sister said she saw my face go white and then I woke up. My mom said my eyes were gray. I was white as a ghost. I just remember feeling very weak and disoriented. So your whole diagnostic journey, did you say you got it in two months? Uh, It happened in December was my very first POTS episode. And I was diagnosed by end of February, March of the following year. So it was like 2008, December, and I was diagnosed by February, March of 2009. So you win the award for the fastest diagnostic journey that I've heard of so far. Yeah. Let's give your mom that award. You said that she had to fight for you? She did. If it wasn't for her, I would probably not have been diagnosed with what I have. She's my real driving force of where I am today. I'm very thankful for her, and she has pushed me when I didn't feel like I had any drive left. You know, I now have a master's degree. I'm working for my dream company and I'm living my best life all due to her taking that one doctor's diagnostic. And I was like, no, that's not it. We're going to figure this out. Wow. Well, okay. I'm excited to hear how you got from there to having your dream work at your dream company. So was fainting pretty much your only pot symptom or did you have others as well? At the beginning, it was just the fainting and really dizzy, really lightheaded, very, very weak. I remember when I got back to school after my very first POTS episode in December of 2008. My friends were always worried and the teachers all knew that like something was going on with me, but I'm from a very small town, so we don't know. People had to come help me carry my books and help me with my schooling and really like helping me out because like I didn't know what was happening. I was still very, very weak up into the diagnosis and then finally putting me on the correct medication, changing my diet around. It was a learning curve to find my new normal. And then a very, I don't want to say traumatic, but it was very traumatic to myself. And it's part of my story because between my freshman and sophomore year of high school, I had a very bad bout with my POTS where I was laying in bed and I could not get up. My elderly grandmother would have to physically pick me up to take me to the bathroom. And I was so weak that I actually went to the hospital again. They thought I was having a heart attack because of my POTS. I was like passing out. I was always dizzy. My blood pressure would skyrocket and then would drop. There was one day, I can remember this distinctively because my mom used to work at a hospital, and my blood pressure was like 90 over 60 something. And the nurse was like, how is she still alive? My mom was just like, all right, we got to go figure what's happening, what's now. And we figured it out. My blood pressure medicine stopped working. So we had to find me a new medicine rotation and everything. And it took about three months for me to finally get better again. And I was in marching band and I would have to sit on the sidelines right when school started 
And I physically learned our marching band show by sitting on the lines. I don't remember how I learned the music, how I learned my positions in the show, because all I would remember was sitting there and learning it. After that, I was fine for a couple of years. And then my senior year of high school, I had another big bout where I actually almost passed out at school. We were doing another marching band thing. And I was like, ah, I don't feel all right. Well, I'll push through. We went to lunch and I ate my salty foods, big on salami, big on Gatorade, did all that I needed to do. And we went back outside and I'm like, hmm, something ain't right. So I turned to my best friend who was standing behind me and my sister was sitting next to me. I'm like, hmm, I think I'm about to pass out. So I like sat down automatically and they had to call EMTs because they're like, this isn't right. My blood pressure was sky high. My heart rate was sky high. So I had to go back to the hospital and then we found out that medicine stopped working again. And then we went to a new doctor and she's like, let's try this regimen. And we found out the medicine from the very first time to now that time we put them together should work perfectly. And since then, knock on wood, I've not had any issues. And that's been since 2013. That's great. So is that what you mean by the learning curve that you had to go through? Or were there other things as well in addition to the medication? That addition to the medication. And I always remember saying like, I had to learn how to rewalk again, because I was just so unstable. I would have to use like someone to hold my hand, hold my shoulder, let me lean on them, use walls. I was so weak. I learned through that that every day is a gift. I never know when POTS episode can happen. I, I can't live in fear because that very first summer, my mom, we always still get very emotional about it because she was scared and she didn't let me see it. But she's like, she could see that I was living by fear. And she's like, I don't want that for my daughter. I want her to live her best life. So she was, all right, Ashley, let's get up. All right, Ashley, let's go walk to the kitchen. Let's go walk to the driveway. Let's go take a lap around the neighborhood. I can never say thank you enough to my mom. Learning to take every day as, you know, that could be your last day. If you have dreams, go for it. And since then, I went off to college. That was like two states away. I studied in my undergrad my dream career. I studied abroad in France. I did all of this because those two big events in my life with my POTS taught me to push myself, never give up, don't live in fear. That is so marvelous. There's so much that I want to ask you about. But first, tell me more about your mom and how she inspired you to get up. And what were you thinking when she was trying to get you up and moving? Were you digging it or were you resentful? I was a little teenager, so I was not happy at first. I literally would feel like I would give given up. Like, I'm just like, you know what? Whatever. I'm just going to lay here in bed, not going to go to school, not going to do anything. She's like, nope. Like I said earlier, she's from Jersey. So her Jersey would come out and she's like, nope, you got to get your butt up. You got to go do this. You got to do that. You got chores you need to do. And then my sister would get on board. She's like, all right, Ashley, let's go. You can do it. She's like a real positive person. They're both my inspiration of living. Is your twin an identical twin or a fraternal twin? So we never actually had the test done when we were first born. We were actually born premature and we had a lot of like issues when we were little babies and we were infants. But we like to say, we're, of course, with COVID, wearing masks. If she walks into my work, people think she's me. But if we're not wearing masks, some days we look like twins, some days we look like sisters. Does she have any sign of POTS? She does not. 
Okay, so talk to me about this other exciting stuff. Was it scary to go off to school two states away? Was it scary to go to France? Did POTS ever come into those things? Or did you just say, I'm not going to worry about it. I'm not going to let it hold me back. A little bit of both. My mom, way before POTS, always said, you're going to college and you're going to go to college where you cannot come home every single weekend. Us living where we lived in Georgia, that was like no UGA, no Auburn, no Georgia Tech, none of those big schools that everyone would go to. I always knew I was never going to be home. Not going to go to school somewhere where I can just drive home automatically. To help my process during that very first summer, I started actually baking. And my mom is a chef and she went to culinary arts school and baking really helped me. And she started to see it, that it was helping me. So she was like, all right, let's go take a Welton cake decorating class. So we would, and she could see like I had a passion for it. She always said, "Uh, no food and beverage industry for you. She knows the ins and outs of the industry. She's like, I don't want that for my child. And I was a little rebel back then. I'm like, no, I'm going to do it. And she saw that I was really good at it. And she's like, all right, I support you. But you're only allowed to go to her alma mater. She's like, you're not going anywhere else. Because if you're going to get a culinary degree, you're going to get a degree. And you're also going to get your bachelor's. I'm like, okay, perfect. The closest school was up in North Carolina. So we did some school visits and stuff and got comfortable with the campus. And I applied. And she's like, you know, it's five hours away. If something happens, I can't be there and drop off a hat. And I'm like, I know, but this is what I want to do. And she's like, okay, I support you. I got in. I was so excited. And I met one of my roommates in my orientation. Same time I was meeting this roommate, my mom just happened to sit by her mom not knowing each other. And they live like an hour away. And she's a nurse. So my mom was talking, explaining like, you know, I have a heart condition and everything. And the mom was like, if anything happens, I can be here for her. Aww that bond very first. So if anything did happen, I had this support system. But during college, I was very open with what I had. The school knew, the residence hall knew, my RA knew. It was very small campus. So a lot of people found out that like I have this heart condition, but they're like, okay, what do you want to do? We're going to go do walk up town tonight. Let's go uptown. Let's go to the movies. So they helped me get acclimated to being self-sufficient. And that really also helped me to be like, not going to let it control me. I have my Gatorade. I have my medication. I have my salt packets. I'm good to go. So all through college, that's what really helped is like having another support system. You know, once I became of age, all right, let's go out. Okay, let me just bring my salt packets because I would salt literally everything. I still to this day have salt packets in my purse, in my wallet, on my body at all times. Well, I know because they write to us, there's a lot of college students or people who are getting ready to go to college with POTS, and it does make them nervous to feel different or to feel like they might not be able to enjoy all of the activities or the social outings. It sounds like from what you're saying that it was not a big deal at all. You told people nobody cared. They kind of helped you, took care of you. Is that what you're saying? My advice would be just be very honest and set your limits. Be like, okay, I can do this, but if I do this, I can't do this. So they knew if they wanted to go to this theme park with roller coasters and they know like we can't do roller coasters, they knew Ashley can't do this. So let's find an alternate thing for Ashley to do so then I could still be with them and they knew like with pot strobe lights are not the best thing so if we would go out and they see strobe lights like all right let's go 
we're leaving, we're going to go find something else. Or if it just happened for a second, they would literally like crowd around me and they would all put their hands over my eyes. So I wouldn't see it until it was gone. My advice would be always just know your limits and create those special bonds with those people you're going to meet because they're going to support you. Because today, even if I like text them and we live in different states and be like, hey, just let you know, like something happened. And they're like, are, are you okay? Do I need to come down there? They are so supportive even living hundreds of miles away. And I'm very thankful that I still have them and that I can still rely on them. And them being such a support system during my undergrad years. That is so wonderful. Yay. Nowadays, does POTS affect you very much? How hard do you have to work to manage it day to day? Is it on your radar all the time or hardly ever? It's always on my radar. So when I graduated from college and I got the job that I have now, I knew I was going to be in a hotter climate, so I got an Apple Watch so I can watch my heart rate. I always have water on me. I like to say I drink seven bottles of water in like a six-hour, seven-hour, eight-hour shift. Just managing it, if I know it's going to be way too hot, I'm not going to go outside. I learned over the years of what my triggers are, so I know to stay away from my triggers. Do you mind sharing what are your triggers in case it helps other people figure out what theirs might be? Yeah. So my triggers are when it's way too hot outside. If I go outside and I like look at the temperature and it's just too hot, I know I have to stay inside. I have to stay in AC. A big one, especially where I live now, is actually going to theme parks because the rides and the heat are my triggers that I've learned that even if it's just an easy boat ride that a theme park might have, And with it being too hot and me coming off of it, it triggers my pots and I almost pass out a couple of times in the parks. So I've learned that above 90 degrees, 85 degrees, I'm not going to go to the park. And if I go to the park, I actually have to be in a wheelchair. And it's the only time I ever use a wheelchair. When my family comes and visits, I want to spend time with them. And they all understand that this is the best way for her to do what she loves and enjoy the people and enjoy the theme parks, enjoy the food, enjoy family time. But they know that like some of the rides I can't do, so they don't push me. And then when they come and visit, they only come and visit when it's cooler months because then I can do a lot more. Strobe lights are a no-go. But mostly with where I live, it's the heat. It's really fun talking to you because it sounds like you and your friends and your family have these very nice supportive relationships where, you know, with a lot of patients, I'm sure you've seen online and heard from others that there's the struggle that's due to the physical struggle and your body not working right and any dysfunction or pain or inconvenience that might cause. But then there's this whole other type of struggle that comes from feeling like other people don't understand you or they think you're crazy or they think you're lazy or that you're faking it. And it sounds like you have done a great job and or you have amazing friends and family and that has not been much of an issue. Has that always been the case? Always. Because my childhood best friends, they've seen it firsthand, especially my summer during my freshman and sophomore year. One of them would be really, really upset and she was like, would cry because she's like, is Ashley going to live? I'm just a very open and honest person. So I think that's what's helped with me creating these support systems and knowing my limits and be like, yeah, no, let's not do that today. Or yeah, no, I can't do that, but y'all can go do it. That's okay kind of thing. But my support system is, I want to say the best. I texted one of them today and he was like, so let's go get dinner. And I'm like, mm, nope, have an interview for a podcast. And he was like, ooh, what's it about? And I said, my pot's journey. And he goes, yeah, that sounds like a good one because he knows. 
And he's so supportive of it too. And he's like, I'm happy for you to go and do this. And that's what having best friends like that are for because they support you. That's so excellent. That makes me very happy. Can we do a speed round where you say the first thing that comes to your mind? Of course. Awesome. What is your favorite way to get salt? Salt packets. Just straight? I salt everything. If there's no salt available, I have it in my wallet. What is the drink that you find the most hydrating? Gatorade. What is your favorite time of the day and why? Either early, early morning or right at dusk. Why? Because I'm a quiet person and I like it being quiet and it's super quiet. How many doctors have you seen for POTS? Between five and seven. How many other POTS patients have you ever met face-to-face? Two. What is one word that describes what it's like living with POTS? Hopeful. What's the best advice anyone ever gave you? Never give up. What is something small that brings you comfort or joy? It's my blanket. Who is somebody that you admire? My mom. What is something that you're proud of? Getting a master's degree. What's a skill that you wish you had? Being more talkative. Ah. Okay, what is a gift that you would send to every POTS patient out there if you had infinite funds? Salt packets. And please finish this sentence. People might suspect I'm a POTSy when... I carry salt packets. (laughs) So... I'm excited to hear a little bit more about your master's degree that you just completed. Are you able to give us just kind of like a snapshot of what you learned, what your interests are, or what you're doing right now? Yes. So I'm very fortunate for the company that I work for that actually paid 100% for my degree. And it's where I see myself going within the company of becoming more into leadership and focusing on change management. And what I learned during my time, it was all online, so I never went to campus, was change is always there. And it actually helped me with my pots of change is always going to be there and it's ever evolving. But learning to adapt and learning to move with the change and go with it and not be against it. That's great. You know, it's interesting that in my nutrition work, I had done a lot of learning about changing lifestyles and developing new routines. And I could not believe how lucky I was because some of that stuff really, really worked applied to POTS. And it sounds like maybe you found the same thing, that it's not just about business change or business management. It can apply to everything that you're dealing with. Yes. That's great. So I just have a few more questions. What do you wish more people knew about POTS? That you might look healthy, but you know, you have an illness that no one can see. Because you can look at me and, you know, I have tattoos, pretty chill person. I, you know, hang out with my friends. I go out. I have a serious condition, but first glance at me, you would never know. And I'm trying to educate people on that and show them that, like, not every disease is visible. Everyone has something that's going on that you might not see. And my last question is, why did you agree to let us share your story today? I'm always big on sharing my story, and I just felt that this platform will allow me to share my story, especially because of the stories that I have seen being posted. It seemed that a lot of POTS patients have a longer journey of their diagnosis and not the life after the diagnosis. And I see it from my point of view where I had very short window of my diagnosis. And now I've lived 13 years with it since my very first POTS episode. 
I don't hear much stories of what happens after, what's life after the diagnosis. Here I am, I'm living my dream. I like to say I'm living my best life. Without what I've learned through my journey, I probably would still be at home, not done what I've done. So you actually feel like it made you stronger, better, smarter, that kind of thing? Definitely stronger. Very vocal. I'm a very vocal person. And also, like, I like to speak up and find my voice. So it's helped me find my voice. Well, that is such a great, happy, wonderful, hopeful story. Thank you so much for sharing it. And I hope that many, many more POTS patients are listening and thinking, okay, that's going to be me. Going to make it happen. That is great. So thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for being so open about your journey. And hey, listeners, remember this is not medical advice. Consult your healthcare team about what's right for you because we're all so different, as you know. But thank you for tuning in. Remember, you're not alone. And please join us again soon. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts or on our website, www.standinguptopots.org slash podcast. And I would add, if you have any ideas or topics you'd like to suggest, send them in. You can also engage with us on social media at the handle Standing Up to Pots. Thanks for listening, and we hope you join us. This show is a production of Standing Up to Pots.